With the constant focus on cost, how can advisors help clients and employees focus on quality? And why is that so important? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of Shift Shapers is sponsored by MyEdge, the premier provider of Form 5500 prospecting solutions for benefit advisors. Local, regional, and national advisors rely on this affordable, easy-to-use, real-time search engine to find their target prospects. For more information, visit our website at www.shiftshapersonline.com. Today, we're very, very excited to be able to speak with Shane Wolverton. Shane is the Senior Vice President of Corporate Development for Comparion Analytics. And what we're going to be talking about today is something that we don't talk about a lot, but we probably ought to talk about more, which is quality. We spend a lot of time talking about cost, but we don't talk about quality. And I think Shane's got some ideas that will shed some new light on how you view both of those things. So with that, welcome, Shane. Thank you so much, David. It's a pleasure to be here and to um, unwrap some things uh, with your audience. A little bit about your background first, if you will. Sure. I've been in medical analytics for over 20 years, and this began when I was at uh, HCIA in the uh, early 90s and began to deliver clinically and risk-adjusted profiling products to providers, providers being hospitals predominantly. And we began to redefine the marketplace in terms of measuring performance. And that culminated into the Delta Group in 1995, which we recapitalized. And then we rebranded the company as Comparian Medical Analytics a little over a year and a half or so ago. But over the last 20 years, been involved in medical analytics, profiling provider performance in all settings of care, including physician office, hospital outpatient, inpatient, retail pharmacy, and then also measuring the quality of that performance as well. A great background for our discussion and for what you're doing today. And let's set the table. And I alluded to this in the opening. An awful lot of us spend a lot of time focusing on costs, especially benefit advisors and employers. You believe that quality is cost. I do. I see that historically the brokers and the advisors and, and those that we'll call the, the trusted advisors of employers have really focused on cost because that's where they believe the lever is to create greater value. The presumption historically being that quality is all about the same. The reality is when you look at the data, the data is clear that there's tremendous variation in quality and that that variation in quality drives huge variation in costs as it relates to adverse patient safety events and therefore drives medical spend in a way that we don't ordinarily think about. And a lot of people talk about the convergence of quality and cost, but until recently, quality has been a secondary or even tertiary consideration with brokers and other advisors predominantly because they've got nothing reliable with which to measure quality. And so the easy assumption is, you know, it's all about the same or there's really no material difference. The reality is we're talking three and four and five fold differences in rates of adverse patient safety events 
that the broker's clients are paying claims on that may not be necessary or could have been avoided. Are there common quality measurements, things that folks ought to be aware of if they're going to start assessing quality and looking at those metrics? Yes, there are. And there are some, sir, there are metrics that are easier to measure and there are measures that are more difficult to understand. And uh, I'll preface the answer by saying, you know, one of the challenges in the industry is there's so much noise about quality and there's really not a lot of definition for the consumers or for the lay people that don't have a deep background in medical analytics. And so depending upon where you go, you may get very different answers. And I'll give you an example. The federal government publishes process indicators on their website that look at things like if I went to a hospital with a heart attack, did the hospital administer an aspirin upon arrival? Did they administer an aspirin upon discharge? If I went in for surgery, did they begin the antibiotic to you know prevent deep vein thrombosis at least an hour before the incision? Things like that. And so if you go to the government website, you may presume that if hospitals do these things well, that they will always lead to lower rates of mortality or complications or potentially avoidable complications of care. And the reality is that none of these things really correlate with each other. So a hospital can be great at patient satisfaction, great at customer service, do great at process indicators, and have higher complication rates that would cause you to be concerned. And so there's a variety of measures out there, and those measures have a variety of ways of constructing them. But I think in general, the broker community needs to be aware that you can measure risk-adjusted mortality, risk-adjusted complications, measures from the Agency for Health Research and Quality that are mortality-based and then patient safety-based with a high degree of reliability and offer a, a profoundly different perspective on where value is really delivered on the provider side. So there's not really a true north. There's there's no one statistic that advisors or employers or even patients could focus in on that would give them the picture they need to make decisions? That's that's a great question. There is no true north, and that's some of the confusion in the industry. So somebody will go to a, a website and they'll perceive that they're measuring quality when that quality actually may be self-reported data on the part of the hospital. It may not be adjusted or normalized properly, and so the, the broker, the employer, misperceives that that rating methodology actually is sufficient to determine, should I go here, Hospital A, to have my hip replacement, or Hospital B? So I'll give you an example. U.S. News & World Report is a very widely known brand, and people would be surprised to learn that less than a third of the weighting system that they use is actually based on performance. And that that performance is mortality only within fairly narrow clinical areas. So it's not comprehensive in that you're only looking at mortality, which many patients are at a very low risk for, and you're looking at specific clinical areas. You're not looking at something that might be broad where an employer would have an interest, let's say, in general surgery for, let's say, a bowel resection potentially or appendectomy or something, you know, a relatively minor procedure like that. So part of the confusion is it's hard to advise employers if you don't have confidence that you're offering information that they can really respond to soundly. And there are key aspects of the information that I think are relevant for brokers to understand because we are talking about a shift in information that's being used to make decisions. And so the first thing is 
it needs to be risk adjusted. And, and that simply means that there are differences in patients and their underlying attributes clinically and demographically that you have to account for. You also have to have some statistical ways in which you can aggregate the data to make it more precise. And the third thing is you have to have a large enough number of observations that you can truly discriminate across physicians and hospitals in order to determine if there really is a material difference in performance. And so if those three characteristics of the information are not there, then I think the information that you'd be looking at would not be a good source of information with which to make decisions or to advise employers on. Could you perhaps give our audience an example of, let's say, you know, two hospitals in the same mythical town doing the same procedure and what kind of variation there might be and what to look for? Sure. I'll give you an example. I was recently in Pittsburgh. I'll give you a real world example. And I'm sure many of people in your audience are familiar with what's going on between UPMC and Highmark and the tremendous disruption up there. And so when I look at that marketplace, uh, market being defined as, let's say, a five-canny area around Pittsburgh, the quality that hospitals deliver from top to bottom, the highest quality hospital is somewhere in the 95th percentile, which means that when you look at their risk-adjusted mortality complications, patient safety indicators, inpatient quality indicators, core measure process indicators, and patient satisfaction, that they score better than all but 5% of hospitals nationally, which of which there are about 4,200 hospitals. And in that same marketplace, a hospital falls below the 10th percentile. So 85 percentage points of difference in the rates of outcomes and being mortality-based, complication-based, or process-based in the same market. And the lower the hospitals that fall in the lower percentile scores are the hospitals that many people misperceive as delivering the highest quality because they're affiliated with an academic medical center. And so the challenge becomes many people in the industry, including brokers, misperceive because of brand identity or brand equity or academic settings or reputation or anecdote that many hospitals are delivering high quality when they really aren't, frankly. And, and in any given market, you would be shocked and how much variation in quality there is across two hospitals. Now a word from our sponsor, MyEdge, the premier provider of Form 5500 prospecting solutions. Are you wasting valuable time searching for qualified leads? The MyEdge prospecting solution makes it easy to research, find commissions, premiums, fees, and see all the current lines of coverage an employer is reporting. Why not use a targeted 5500 prospecting solution that was designed specifically for benefit advisors? MyEdge supplies the data that counts when you need to research prospects or learn what competitors are selling in your market. And learning to use MyEdge is fast and easy. When your prospecting data is accurate and with real-time updates, you'll spend less time researching and more time selling. To learn more about this innovative prospecting solution, visit our website at www.shiftshapersonline.com. So all of this still sounds awfully technical to me. How do you take all of this detailed, sophisticated information and make it both intelligible and useful? And, and I'm interested in kind of asking that question in three different constituencies. And let's start with benefit advisors, and then perhaps we can talk about how they would relate that to employers, and then finally, patients. Sure. I think that's a, that's a great question. So the technical aspects of assembling and aggregating data are 
not necessarily something that advisors need to understand fully in order to guide their clients properly. Um, but what they need is a level of precision that can be communicated simply. And so I think that I talked to brokers and benefits consultants and others, and they would always agree that, yes, quality is important. Historically, it's been access, you know, network access and price that drive the conversation. And then quality is somewhere to be defined. And so what we've done as a technology is to simplify information where it can be used at the point of decision. And so a lot of people don't like integers, so they don't like percentiles, because depending upon your, you know, your mathematics background, may be more or less complex to draw a decision. And so what we think makes sense is people tend to respond to ratings that are intuitive. And so it's intuitive to have, we use a series of checks to represent ranges of scoring on the part of the hospital so that you don't have to look at a number. And so we have five rating categories that we use across these composite quality scores that range from a check plus plus indicating a top 10%, a check plus the top 25%, a gray check, which simply means you're in the middle of the pack, a check minus means you're in the lowest 25%, and a check double minus means you're in the lowest 10%. So if I'm a broker and I wanted to just get a simple understanding of the relative performance of hospitals and advise my clients, I could literally just distinguish between check plus plus versus the range to a check double minus. If I needed to get into the integers, they're there as kind of a secondary source of information, but it's not something that has to be accessed primarily and then overly complex to understand. In the employers, what I found is that the employers are more and more increasingly responding to quality differently. So they are, they're actually responding not as, well, this is really interesting and good to know, but they're actually beginning to make purchasing decisions in much the same way. Simplifying that information to them helps prevent them from becoming overwhelmed. As you can imagine, there can be a tremendous amount of information that could be helpful to digest but easily overwhelming to somebody that's not used to looking at the comprehensiveness and the depth of the information that you can generate. And so with employers, they're using this at a very high level to build things like employer-sponsored narrow networks, centers of excellence, or domestic medical travel programs, or carving out facilities that specialize and do really well, let's say in orthopedics and spine or heart. And so By simplifying this into a rating system, what they're able to do is simply take, let's say, the lower third of all these hospitals where the outcomes are not attractive or not reliable and just kind of remove them from the network through plan design and some type of incentive structure. And then finally, consumers, what's interesting is we have a wide range. So we have some consumers that are really interested in the details. We have um, one group of that we work with that are literally rocket scientists. And so they understand statistics, standard deviation, underlying properties of data, and they want to get into the detail to understand both the models, the methods of aggregating, and then how you're statistically preparing the data. Most consumers simply want to have the confidence of selecting a hospital properly to have a procedure done, especially if it's elective. So if it's a joint replacement or spinal surgery or general surgery that's non-emergent, 
being able to go somewhere and simply distinguish which hospitals are going to deliver the, the best outcomes and the most reliable outcomes. So with respect to the consumer, ultimately, that's where the point of decision is. And so we want to deliver information that is simple and straightforward. And ratings seem to be easier for them to digest and understand rather than complex integers or statistics. And so what's happened in the industry is people have taken the approach that I need to create information that is simple for consumers to use. But in doing so, what they sacrifice is the precision or the ability to truly discriminate differences in performance across hospitals and physicians. And so what we've been able to accomplish is to create simplicity in a rating system that is not divorced from the precision and sophistication needed to really make a different decision in the quality outcomes that are more desirable for you. So there are organizations that are beginning to deliver information on quality to consumers in the form of transparency that looks at not only unit price transparency, like where do I get the cheapest MRI, but now what they're saying is if I have an option to go to hospitals that deliver higher quality lower rates of mortality, lower rates of complications, so on, that that information is now being delivered on applications like a tablet, their phone, a laptop computer, or it can be hard copy. And so simplicity does not necessarily mean lack of sophistication and lack of discrimination. It simply means that you have to take this information and make sure that it's delivered at the point of decision in such a way that it can be used and then a decision can be made. And so the employer's through changes in plan design, are interested in steering their employees and their families towards higher quality hospitals because what they eliminate are complications of care. Um, They're eliminating patient safety events that occur with a certain level of frequency. And that ranges from an accidental stick or laceration to a deep vein blood clot to postoperative respiratory failure. Historically, their belief is these things just happen. And what they're finding is that if we go to higher quality hospitals, that we can lower our spend by avoiding these complications of care or patient safety events. And that the reinsurers are beginning to respond by underwriting premiums differently. So the broker community now really in using quality as kind of a component of their service offering really equips the employers to benefit in, in two ways. Number one, they're getting a better product. They're getting better health care delivered. It's not a function of the, you know, the plan and the discount and the network design. It's a function of that this, there is more variation in quality than I think the broker community perceives. The second thing is by helping employers avoid adverse events like complications and patient safety, they will spend less not only in their medical spend, but in time they'll also spend less on the reinsurance side. And they'll prevent catastrophic claims, which is huge because those dollars come off even before a dime is paid in a medical claim. Interesting. Shane, in in about the last minute or minute and a half or so that we have left, I'm interested in your views on the future and, and where you see quality playing in and whether you see a greater demand for quality with the increased patient responsibility and some of the ACA or the post ACA plan designs, et cetera. What's the future look like from an anal- a data analytics point of view and from a quality point of view? That's a great question. So I see two things. So the market has clearly shifted to responding to quality as a primary differentiator, David. So now the presumption is not that all providers deliver the same quality. There's actually this reality 
that we've got to make changes in our network design or in the way that we purchase healthcare to work with those that deliver better quality than others. The second thing is there's now a desire to measure quality outside of an inpatient setting. Measuring quality in an ambulatory surgery center, in a hospital-based outpatient setting, as more procedures are done out there. So, for example, knee replacements now are done on an outpatient basis. And so the information in that setting is not to the point where you can actually measure quality with any reliability. And I think the extension of that is going to happen as we start moving towards understanding quality in a different way. So we're thinking of outcomes historically when we measure quality. Really in the future, one of the things that you want to measure is of all the people that have high blood pressure, what percentage of those have blood pressure under control? How many people that have high cholesterol, hyperlipidemia, have their cholesterol you know, within an acceptable range? How many people that have congestive heart failure have BMI or their weight within a, an expected range? Those are measurements of quality that we're not there yet, but we will be looking at in conjunction with outcomes that occur on the inpatient and outpatient basis as well as cost. And so the ACA has kind of ushered in this idea of population health measurement or population health responsibility. The industry's not there yet in terms of connecting everything that needs to be linked together in order to truly understand where we are in the management of that patient. And so in some ways, we're waiting, anticipating that information that comes from electronic medical records or other biometric types of data to measure quality and performance in a very different way than we have historically. Shane Wolverton, Senior VP of Corporate Development for Comparing Analytics. Shane, thank you for helping our audience understand a little bit more and get a better perspective about quality and how it plays into their ability to advise clients and prospects going forward. Thank you very much, David. A pleasure to be with you. For more information about this episode or about any of our earlier episodes and to learn how to subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode, go to our website, shiftshapersonline.com. While you're on the site, leave a comment and register to be part of the Shapers community. You'll be the first to learn about upcoming specials like exclusive webinars and content you can use to take your business to the next level. Again, thanks for joining us for today's episode. And remember, you have the power to shape the shifts in your business. <laughs>